Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Border, where we break down all the major sports storylines, and today we are focusing again on the NFL, and we'll be moving on to the NFC North for this week's uh, off-season prediction episode, and so we have a pretty stiff division in the NFC North this year, and it looks like all teams have a shot at trying to make their claim for that title. We have the Bears, who just recently were atop the division and coming off a strong season at 12-4 and four and hoping to repeat. And, of course, we have the Minnesota Vikings coming in second with the first year of Kirk Cousins and his new team, hoping to do a little bit better this year. Third place last year was the Green Bay Packers, who... Had a bit of a disappointing year, it could be said, and coming uh, into the season with new hope because of their offseason moves. And lastly, the Detroit Lions, who yet again find themselves at the bottom of the division and made their own moves uh, to assist Coach Patricia's second year on the team. And so we'll get into all of that, but first I'll let my co-host introduce himself. Yeah, so again, welcome back. This is the NFC North division preview i'm moran and uh i don't know if we mentioned it before but we've been uh, clamoring for this preview because you know me and amir or amir and i should say are huge green bay packers fans so rest assured you know there's going to be some bias with our judgments right about here so don't be surprised with uh how we end up predicting uh the division at the end Exactly. So we will get right into it and start off with the Chicago Bears. And I think it'd be safe to say that the Bears had a bit of a surprising season to most of the league and finished out at 12-4 and last year, thanks uh, in large part to their tremendous defense with pieces such as Eddie Jackson at the safety, with the addition of Khalil Mack very late in that last offseason, and all across the board, they have studs across their defense. And so leading that team and Mitch Trubisky to the playoffs, and unfortunately we all know how their season ended with the double doink in Soldier Field by Cody Parkey. And so they are coming back this year with a hunger for going further in the playoffs, no doubt. And they did make moves in the offseason that should be noted, of course. And so certain ones that we'll start with here, I think the interesting note to bring up first, I guess, is Jordan Howard I want to talk about because I felt like this past year they sort of found a new and upgraded use for their running back in Tariq Cohen. And Jordan Howard sort of suffered the brunt of that uh, upgrade by Coach Nagy and his scheme, and he was not utilized in the same way he has been. He had been in his career so far with the Bears, and so moving forward, they must not have seen his value on the team, and so made the move to trade him to the Eagles for a six-round pick, which I thought was uh, a decent move because that leaves their running back group a little bit lighter and so we'll see how their attack goes forward with that um, with respect to the draft that they had and the moves they moved to address it because 
there certainly weren't uh, that many picks available to the Bears because of that Khalil Mack trade, as as I mentioned. And we have only five picks to uh, speak of with the Bears, and the first being a move to address that loss of running back in David Montgomery, which I was a prospect I enjoyed looking into and thought possibly uh, could be a target for multiple teams uh, and for the Packers. But so they ended up going with him in the first pick they had, and we'll see if he can provide a sort of role that Jordan Howard had in their system. Yeah, because it was only a couple of years ago, man, where Jordan Howard was one of the highest rushers in the league, you know, since he bursted on the scene in 2016. He's just, uh, he's been probably the only bright spot of the Bears in the past couple of years. And, and, you know, to see, you know, the one time they've had success in that time span and they miss, I don't want to say misutilized, but underutilized him uh, this past year. It's a shame because he's still got a lot of mileage left in this league. And uh, for a sixth round pick, I un- understand running backs a, a pretty undervalued position nowadays. But for a sixth round pick for a former Pro Bowl running back is is pretty, uh, is, is a bit, some good value, I find. So, uh, but, you know, with me, with the Bears, uh, I think everything just lined up so perfectly for them last year. I think with the with the drama surrounding the Packers and the Vikings throughout the year, and just the and I, I guess you can say the the consistent underwhelming uh, uh, nature of the Lions, uh, it was the, it was the Bears' division to lose by like halfway point. And what what they're not going to see this coming year, as opposed to last season, was uh, was the competition you know they they've got now a first place schedule and they won't have the luxury of playing the the subpar competition that they did last year so they're gonna have to play the saints they're gonna have to play uh uh not only the cowboys but uh the rams so it's gonna be interesting to see how uh consistency plays a role for the bears this coming season and what's i don't want to say failing to be brought up but you didn't mention it was the loss of probably, probably the biggest loss in this division in uh, Vic Fangio. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that defense alleviates that, that loss, especially with key personnel being lost and replaced. You lose Adrian Amos to the Packers and you bring in haha Clinton Dix. You lose uh, Bryce Callahan, who is probably, uh, if not the best, but one of the best uh, nickel corners in the league. And you replace, you replace him with Buster Scrine. And like you said, Jordan Howard's gone, and you replace him with uh, a running back by committee with David Montgomery, and I see here Mike Davis. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, a defense that was the best in football last year not only loses their conductor, but key key personnel, and to see how that personnel holds up with the new schematics is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The defense was incredible for the Bears last year. And I think that's a reason for possible skepticism in terms of how they will fare out this year. Because as we've seen in the last couple of years, that doesn't always translate from year to year, a phenomenal defense. We've seen in years past, uh, Giants teams that have a great defense with guys such as Olivia Vernon, Janaris Jenkins, and Landon Collins had that one great year, but not so much the next. And more recently with the Jacksonville Jaguars having the phenomenal Saxonville defense, but not as strong in this last year. And so quarterback play does a, uh, play a big part into a team's success, and that's where we get to Mitch Trubisky, who 
is going into his third year, getting better each year, yes, but has also been quite inconsistent in his performance. He'll have terrific plays where he's extremely accurate, but then again, on the same reads in the same game, he'll have certain plays that make you think where what he was thinking. And so it's up to him to try to utilize the system that has been placed around him with Coach Nagy and the schemes that he's been drawing up have been shown to be terrific this last year for them. So it'll be up to Mitch to try to overcome any deficiencies from that defense from year to year if there is a drop-off. Uh, coupled with that, man, is, is, uh, is you know, Mitchell Jabrisk, we saw in the playoff game, people want to put the blame on Cody Park in the kick, but if Mitchell Trubisky, he turned the ball over twice. He threw two interceptions. He wasn't, you know, he didn't play nearly as well as he should have for a guy at home against a nine-win Eagles team without their starting quarterback. And you got, being a former second overall pick, you've got you've got to expect a huge leap in progression for Mitchell Trubisky, a guy who's who's as who is as athletic as any quarterback in the league you know his biggest weapon is not even his arm it's his legs and he i guess he he doesn't have the accuracy to really threaten some guys it's it's more his legs that create openings in in the defense so in other in the opposing defenses so if the bears want to bypass their performance from last year and try to get further into the playoffs or just even try, just try to get back in the playoffs. You've got to see Mitchell Trubisky make that leap. And we've seen it time and time again with quarterbacks who who make that first playoff run out of nowhere and just fail to, you know, surge forward. Uh, I remember years ago, it was with the Lions, with Matt Stafford, when they, they made the playoffs for the first time in who knows how long. And we just never saw the Lions again make that step forward in being a contender. So... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Mitchell Trubisky translates his, his, uh, I guess his surge, and you couple that with uh, Matt Nagy. He's coming to the second season. Now there's tape on his offense. There's going to be tape on his offense, Trubisky's tendencies, and teams are going to be pinpointing the, the te- those tendencies and those weaknesses. We see, uh, we see it so many times with Andy Reid offenses that he fails. Those him and his disciples fail to adapt when teams figure them out figure them out it was not that long ago with the chiefs a couple seasons ago with alex smith where they started 5-0 and and things fizzled out uh we saw it last year in the championship game for the chiefs mahomes and that offense were stifled every time at the goal line so it's gonna be interesting to see how matt nagy can adapt and if he's anything like his like his uh his uh, i guess his mentor in, in uh andy reed if he's anything like it, then the Bears are in trouble, man. And like I said, they got a tough first place schedule. I I really don't expect them to be as dominant defensively uh, that they were last year. I think that's that's fair assessment right there, and we'll see how Trubisky can fare in his third season because he definitely has a bounty of weapons around him. They have done a great job there in Chicago in the last couple seasons in providing a great cast of offensive talent around him. He's got players such as Anthony Miller, of course, Terry Cohen, and the newest draft pick in the second round they had in Riley Ridley picking up out of Georgia. So 
There's uh, Trey Burton, of course, the tight end. So there's no shortage of weapons, and it'll be up to Trubisky and Nagy to make use of all of that for sure. And, and real quick, just you mentioned that they've done a, such a good job to you know put all the weapons around them, and we we saw it. We we've seen it. We see it with teams when everything around the quarterback is perfect, but it's the quarterback that's holding everyone down. In situations like that quickly turn sour and toxic and people could just easily revolt against that quarterback or just have a lack of motivation to play. So if, if the Bears get off to a, a, a bad start this season and Trubisky's playing even worse than he did last year in comparison to the champ the division or the wild card game, you could see Chicago, especially with you know a young squad, they you could see things end up quite similar to how it did in Jacksonville last season. I'm telling you. It's on Trubisky to make it or break it for the squad, whether it's making it to a conference championship or fizzling out and not missing the playoffs altogether. Absolutely. And so with that point, we'll transition on to the second place team in the division from last year at eight, seven and one was the final record for the Minnesota Vikings, who are, uh, I think could be safe to say a little bit disappointed in how their first go around with, new quarterback Kirk Cousins had been. This was a team who finished out the year prior with Case Keenum in the NFC Championship game and thought that they were one piece and that one piece being quarterback away from a Super Bowl team. But it did not turn out that way this past year for several different reasons. And we can uh, see and get into those. But I think the story of the Vikings offseason could be summed up by a period of retooling. I think the and reinforcing what they have been uh, known for. And what I mean by that is their defense. And there was the chance that in the offseason, Anthony Barr, a key piece of their defense, would leave because there were those reports that he was decided to go to the Jets, but he ended up changing his mind and stayed with the defense. And I think that uh, move there, in addition with re-signing Kyle Rudolph, kept the pieces uh, that they'd been steady and consistent with for the last couple of years there in Minnesota. And I think the the second phase has been the retooling, which has been of one of the weakest points on their team for several years, and that's the offensive line. I think the offensive line took a major upgrade through their offseason, one in signing Josh Klein, a veteran, to fill in there in the guard position, as well as their first overall draft pick in Garrett Bradbury, who is a solid, very top-notch prospect and can come in there and solidify that O-line for Kirk Cousins. Uh, Last season, I think many people had the Vikings pegged as the favorite in the NFC, especially with the acquisition of Kirk Cousins. So, I think it's fair for me to say at this point that they were the biggest disappointment in the NFL last year because, like you said, it, it their defense was elite heading into last season. They have the weapons on offense and Thielen and and Stephon Diggs and and such. And to have to acquire Kirk Cousins, who people assumed was a big fish in that free agent pond last season, and to have it end the way it did last season, you know, with a honestly a, a disappointing loss at home to a Bears team with nothing to play. The the Vikings, you know, had this, it was probably the longest off season out of any team in the, in the NFL, because you got to realize 
you got to figure out what went wrong. You had the personnel. Is is it the quarterback? And you start to look at Kirk Cousins. He didn't win anything. He he didn't win anything in college. He didn't win anything in college uh, for Michigan State. He comes into the NFL. He wasn't a top draft pick. He he was a backup to, to uh, RG3. He won one division title. He you know was rather disappointing in that playoff game. He has many times. He's had many games where it's make or break. You know, bigger biggest game and many times against those Cowboys teams with Dak Prescott in the way, and he just loses those games. And there's just it's always highlighted on Kirk Cousins not showing up in those games. So now I look at Kirk Cousins now. Things haven't things haven't changed at all. He's still the same guy he was at those moments. Kirk Cousins, like it's such a big season for him. You're, he's getting paid eighty four million guaranteed bucks to lead this team to a Super Bowl title, and to only muster up eight wins last season is beyond failure. So I don't care about the defense. I'm sure they'll be fine with uh, Mike Zimmer leading it. I'm sure the offense. Has the weapons. You you draft Irv Smith from Alabama. You're fine there. You've got the same guys you have last year. The worry is Kirk Cousins. He got an offensive coordinator fire last year in John DeFilippo. John DeFilippo. So, like, at some point, you got to realize maybe Kirk Cousins isn't the guy in, that people think he is. Or that many people, don't, especially in Washington, didn't think he was. And i am I've come to the conclusion he's just not that guy. I don't expect him to be this season and that's why i don't really have the highest of expectations for minnesota at least in terms of contender status yeah i think that's been the the story as of late on kirk cousins and throughout his career we were of course wondering prior to him signing to the vikings what was the deal with him in washington why were the redskins hesitant to give him that long-term deal and franchising to franchise tagging him two years in a row, but it seems some of that may be uh, illuminating itself in his play, and he hasn't been consistent uh, for sure, and his flaws are um, hurting the team. And so I think the major factor in the Viking success will come through the return of their strong defense. I think their defense was not as strong as it was the year prior when they were on that championship run. And I think if the return of Mike Hughes, who they lost last year to an ACL injury and return to form for Xavier Rhodes, who had a little bit of a down year and other pieces on that defense can help cousins out a little bit, because I think at this point it'd be uh, a little too ambitious to hope for a major improvement in Cousins' game. And so if that defense can return to 2017 form and he can lean on the run game of an emerging Dalvin Cook, who's had a bumpy start to his career, of course, with injuries nagging him, then the Vikings could find themselves in position to enter the playoff race. But it, it's going to be that the that test right there. Can the rest of the team lift above any inconsistencies of cousins and, and like, i get it it's, it's easy to just say you know the quarterback's the most important player i feel like and so far in our previews we've highlighted the quarterback in every maybe i, mean, I think with every team we've highlighted the quarterback but it comes to do just to do judgment you know they're the most important player and you know with kirk cousins 
uh, we saw that his success comes more so from play action. Uh, many times in, uh, in, in Washington, it, that's just how it worked. They, they won their division with a balanced offense. And even with the Vikings and Case Keenan, they had the run game to rely upon. So you mentioned Dalvin Cook. There's no Latavius Murray anymore. So Dalvin Cook is going to be the lead back, you know, with, you know, a lot of responsibility because he was disappointing last year coming back from his ACL injury. So if they can't establish that balance running the ball, I, I really don't see Kirk Cousins going Pat Mahomes or, or like or like Tom Brady and just slinging it out to everybody on the offense because he, that, he's just not that guy. He doesn't have the talent to, to beat guys. Uh, throwing the ball 50 times, 40 times a game. It's just not what he has been able to do so far in his career. And uh, really quickly, we, we mentioned the defense. They're losing some guys too. You lose Andrew, uh, you lose Sandejo, you lose Sheldon Richardson, you lose a Tom Johnson. Yes, some of these guys aren't, they weren't the best players, but they were key guys in the progression of that defense through the years. And to lose some key, I'm assuming key locker room guys, it's going to be a drop. So, uh, it's going to be a big year for the, all the Vikings, whether it's just Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, uh, and even Mike Zimmer, who, you know, he's entering, what is this, year five or year six, I think, at this point, and he hasn't he hasn't been saying much, so it's, it's, it's time for him to put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, I think you made a great point there, and Kirk Cousins will be in the second year of this three-year contract, so if that second year does not turn out as well as the Vikings hope. It'll be some rocky waters for sure entering that final year and a decision to be made whether they're looking forward to extending him or trying to look for another quarterback to come in and yet again replace that position there for the Vikings. But we'll move on to our team now, the Green Bay Packers, who finished out at 6-9-1 and one in Trash. Yes, uh, the one of the worst years of our recent memory for sure, and played a large part in it was the injury to Aaron Rodgers in the very first game of the season against the Chicago Bears that sort of derailed, I think, the hopes and expectations of not only Rodgers but of the offense as that limited a great amount of the capabilities of Rodgers and the types of plays that they could run. And so not only was that an unfortunate start, but as we saw throughout the year, there was a major riff in between the coaching in Mike McCarthy and Rodgers. And I think there's been a lot said in the last couple of months about the backstory between Rodgers and McCarthy, but they both persist that none of it was due to any issues personally. They got along great. And of course, with any relationship that there would be some moments of conflict. But I think at the end of the day, it's a situation where their marriage, for lack of a better word, kind of ran its course. And I think after being together for so long and Mike McCarthy having a little bit of a reluctancy to revamp his offensive schemes uh, played a part in Rodgers feeling as if he could improve upon the play selection possibly at the line of scrimmage and altering plays that were being called led to uh, even further conflict and it all boiled over after the Arizona Cardinals loss in which Mike McCarthy was fired 
right after that game. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting year for the Green Bay Packers the past uh, in in 2018 for everything you you highlighted, man. It was it was really topsy turvy. It started with a, a low in Rodgers getting hurt and a high being the Bears. And it was just a roller coaster in every, every game throughout. And it's I, I want to. It's easy to just put a lot of the highlight for this coming season on Aaron Rodgers. How is he going to mesh with Matt Lafleur? And it, it would be easy to point that way, but for me, it's going to be about this defense. You know, Matt Lafleur. He was willing. He was fine with keeping Mike Pettin on the squad, and I think a lot of guys responded well, especially as a as a fan. A lot of the defensive players responded well to Mike Pettin this past coming year, and it was just a shame that a lot of time guys a lot of time guys were hurt. So. Uh, but now it's year two. I expect this defense, especially under Mike Penn, who's a stout defensive mind, they've got to really pick it up and you know be will be you know take that jump. Free agency, we saw them get go after. We saw them get Zadarius Smith from Baltimore, Preston Smith from Washington, Adrian Amos from uh, the Bears, and you draft a Rashawn Gary from Michigan. You draft a safety in Darnell Savage. You're filling up those gaps. The, the every position I've mentioned has been highly sought after from for the Packers. They've lacked pass rusher the past couple of years. They get two of them uh, through free agency in Zaria Smith and Preston Smith, and they get one in Rashawn Gary. You know we've lacked a solid safety for who knows how long. Okay, they draft a Darnell Savage and they sign Adrian Amos. So they're they're just plugging away at this roster in positions where they've highly needed it and. The worry for me, you know, even though you're bringing all this talent in, is can it all come together? Can it all mesh well? It's easy to play like Madden and just plug players in through a video game and, you know, just it just works. But that's not how it works in the real world. And the worry for me for the Green Bay Packers is that it's going to, there's going to be a steep learning curve for many of these new guys in this system. And I fear, I really fear that, by the time they get it all together, it may be too late because, like we said, this division is going to be tough. I think uh, you made a lot of great points there, and definitely the defense has been lacking the majority of Aaron Rodgers' career. And on paper, this has the potential to be the best defense he's ever had. But the major test, as you mentioned, is how it will all mesh. And we have guys uh, not only in addition to this year, but who have been there for a year or more, such as Jair Alexander from the last draft and Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, of course. And so these are strong, key defensive guys that can each play a part in the success of the defensive side of the ball this year. But it'll all uh, be determined as we go on and see in their schedule. And so I think with the... Um, emergence of Aaron Jones and they also drafted a running back in Dexter Williams can be an interesting storyline as well because Matt LaFleur and the talk around him throughout the offseason has been his offensive scheming and his um, play calling that is seen as an upgrade over what Green Bay has been using the last couple years and Mike McCarthy. And so if he can utilize Aaron Jones in a way that McCarthy seemed reluctant to and uh, bring a sense of running game back to the team, I I believe 
the Packers had one of the least um, attempts for rushing in uh, one of, in their entire history this past year. And so it's up to him and Aaron Jones, of course, himself to show his worth and bring a balance to that offense so Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to carry the load as he had his uh, majority of career because he is getting older and he may not have the same capabilities he did have in his MVP seasons of 2011 and 2014. So it'll be uh, interesting to see that develop as well. And there's going to be such a big emphasis on how is Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur going to mesh. We've already seen it that, you know, in Matt LaFleur, in this Kyle Shanahan, you know, who's a, you know, who's worked with Kyle Shanahan, his offense is very much like Kyle Shanahan's. We see in these offenses, there's, there's not much control from the quarterback. It's all really the coaching. Um, but with Aaron Rodgers, we've seen it so many times. He's willing to just freestyle it uh, many times and just make it happen, make it work, because he's that good on the field. And, you know, between the, between the ears, he's just, he's on another level. How do you, how are we going to, Find that balance between if if there is there should be. I, hold on, let me let me rephrase this. Are we going to be able to get a balance from Aaron Rodgers' you know football intellect and Matt Lafleur's uh, his system? Are we going to find that balance, or is this going to be a dumpster fire really quick? And could we and when could we see Matt Lafleur on the hot seat if this thing gets uh gets out of out of order quick? All right, I think. Those are the the two extremes right there, and we could we're hoping, of course, that we see in the first couple of weeks uh, the same Aaron Rodgers we've been used to in years past, with possible new wrinkles in the offense, more motions, and more uh, pre-snap uh, adjustments that disguise the play ahead. That would be thanks to Matt Lafleur's scheme, and so. If that goes well and goes to plan, we could see Rodgers return to an MVP level form. But then again, we would be a little disappointed if we do see constant issues between Rodgers and signaling towards LaFleur and reports coming out after conferences, press game conferences, that we are having issues with play calling and things like that. I think by by the halfway point of the season, um, We'll, we'll have a good tell of how things are um, going in Green Bay because they do have decent competition. They start out uh, two divisional opponents right away in the Bears and the Vikings. So you have key games right away. And then, of course, you have games coming up against the Eagles and Cowboys in that first half of the season. And so, And it doesn't get any easier going forward. So it, it'll be interesting by that halfway point, maybe around the – the biggest game, um, just as a side, that I think will be hopefully of the of the year will be Week Eight against the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. I, I look forward to that game, Rogers versus Mahomes, and so hopefully by then we'll have a good idea of this team and their identity. And speaking of identity, a team that's lacked identity uh, for the past several years. And that's failed to really establish themselves in the NFC North is the Detroit Lions. I'm taking over moderator for the time being because I just love talking about the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions and their ineptitude. 
Amir, is there any, what could the Detroit Lions do to win this division for the first time in, you know, since before I was born? Because I really don't see any possibility that the Lions get it done for as long as Matt Stafford is their quarterback. Yeah, the Lions are an interesting enigma because they always seem to have the potential and the decent players uh, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, but year after year, they haven't been able to put it together, um, whether it's starting off on a rough stretch and uh, not getting on the right footing or not finishing out the year correctly, as we've seen in years past, losing out in the division to the Packers in Week 17 showdown games. But they did make moves in this second year for Coach Matt Patricia, bringing over a key guy in Trey Flowers from the Patriots, his former uh, team that he was coaching on. And so signing him to a five-year deal and boosting that D-line, as well as uh, key pieces in the offense in the tight end position, investing both in the draft and in free agency, getting Jesse James from Pittsburgh and with their first overall pick, getting TJ Hawkinson, which was a bit of a surprise, if I'll be honest, uh, considering their recent history in drafting tight ends very early in the draft in Eric Ebron, but they must have seen the potential in Hawkinson there. And high high picks on tight ends are always a bit risky because it is a position where you may not always get the most immediate impact. And impact overall is there's only a handful of tight ends across the league that could be said to be worth that kind of draft potential. But they made these moves because they're obviously seeing the their quarterback and Matt Stafford go year after year with um, not enough playoff experience and uh, winning records to show for it. And I don't think all of the blame can be put on Stafford necessarily because he's been a pretty good quarterback for them, but the pieces around him have not uh, helped him out at all. It's hard for me to, you know, give pity to Matt Stafford because, you know, I, I understand it because he has had, you know, such turnover over the years. But at some point, you got to be just that guy who just puts the team on his back. And and uh, I just don't see I just don't see Matt Stafford being that type. I really don't. And, you know, I've seen. I've even seen Mitch Trubisky do it last season. I've seen, you know, Kirk Cousins at times do it, you know, in in some playoff races, at least for one in Washington. But I, I don't see Matt Stafford being that guy. And evidence showed last year you had the Bears on Thanksgiving without Trubisky. It was, it was against Chase Daniel, and you flop. And you flop. You simply that's all it was. It was a flop. And you know, with this Lions squad, I really think that. I don't want to say Matt Patricia's on the hot seat already in year two, but if you look at some of the signings they made, you paid elite money for Trey Flowers, like elite, like in terms of being a top pass rusher in this league, a premium pass rusher. So if, if things fizzle out, because you've already invested, these this is, these are your guys now in Trey Flowers, and you know you bring in uh, a guy like TJ Hawkinson, you got to hope these guys hit the gate running, because if not, I do, and I, I'm going to say right now, I love Matt Patricia. I loved him in New England. I I really do predict Matt Patricia will not make it past this season as the Detroit Lions head coach. That's a, that's a bold take, and I think if things don't go well, that's definitely possible for Patricia there in Detroit. And so 
I think um, what can be said about them is uh, just uh, mediocrity. The, the Detroit Lions have been in a state of uh, mediocrity their uh, entire existence um, and most recently in the NFC North having not won any division titles. So that'll be on their agenda this year for sure. And so having gone through each of these teams, I think we can go on and give a little prediction of sorts and ranking where we think these teams will finish out in the year. So let's start with the Chicago Bears as we did. And I think with the Bears, we have to take into account, of course, their possible regression in the defensive side of the ball, but as well, the tremendous talent that they have on that team. It is one of the more uh, loaded teams in terms of pure talent across the offensive defensive sides of the ball. So I think for me, I'll predict that the Bears will finish in second place in the division. You know, I, I've got them, you know, slightly lower on that. I got them finishing third in the division, just for the simple reason that there's just too much change going on, and there's so much to be asked for from guys that didn't show it last year. Like we mentioned already, Novik Fangio. Arguably the biggest, the best defensive mind in football. You come in with Chuck Pagano, it's going to be a whole new defensive scheme. And you know, Vic Fangio was there since 2015, so it you know it took it took growing years before they were what they were last year. So how these guys you know adapt to Chuck Pagano, we will yet to be seen. Uh, year two, like I said, year two of Matt Nagy. Teams have film on him. Teams will figure it out. He will be frustrated. And we're going to see, you know, his real coaching ability on display, which I really don't think he has, you know, top coaching in him. That's me personally thinking that just because uh, I saw it in the NFC, in the, in the champ, in the, in the wildcard game. He just didn't, he just didn't put a stamp on the game. And then finally, Mitchell Trubisky. I just don't think he's that good. I really don't. I, I don't think his feet are elite. I don't think his arm is. I think he lacks I think he lacks just that. Uh, what's it called? I don't even know what to call it. He just doesn't have the it factor. The same, the same stuff I mentioned about Matt Stafford. The same thing I mentioned about Kirk Cousins. They just, they're just not those guys that are capable of, of carrying a squad. So, uh, for those reasons, I have them finishing third. I think those are all fair points, and I think moving on here, we have the Vikings and. We'll make our decisions, I think, largely based on the quarterback position in Kirk Cousins. And can he elevate the team to a level where they can reach the playoffs and go further as they showed with Case Keenum? And I ultimately don't think that Cousins will be able to do that for him. They have strong pieces around him, but I think the inconsistency that he's shown and the uh, defense not being um, losing key parts as you mentioned Moran and Sheldon Richardson and Sandejo and other key pieces there can not carry that team uh, where they want to go so I will I will predict that they'll finish third in the division the Minnesota Vikings 
I, I, like I said, I've all I've got faith in that defense. I think they'll return to being what they were a season ago. I or two seasons ago, I should say. I've got faith in the personnel they already have offensively. I, I love. I think Stefan Diggs is as good as they come in the league. I think Adam Thielen's great. I think their tight ends are great. I think their offensive line's improving. Uh, I think, like I said, their defense, they've got the rushers, they've got the secondary. It's just all Kirk Cousins. It's just all Kirk Cousins. And whether that offensive coordinator, I think it's Kevin Stepanski, whether they can click as opposed to how Cousins and Bill DeFilippo, DeFilippo, I'll get that name right. But he's going to see how those two mesh. If they get on the track running, then the Vikings should be much improved. I, I got them winning nine, nine, maybe ten games this season for the simple reason they've got a second-place schedule so they won't face the elite teams uh, compared to the, the Bears. And uh, I, I like I like the Vikings to finish second. I think uh, they have what it takes to at least top the Bears. Yeah, I think those are all good points. And I think it's it'll be interesting to see because I think there's the chance that these top – uh, teams here, the Bears, the Vikings, and our next team here, the Packers, that they can all finish with winning records this year. This is a very one of the best uh, divisions, I think, uh, in the league in terms of competition and strength of the teams. And so the margin for error could be very slim in between these seedings that we're predicting here. Maybe a game or two separate uh, each team. And so we'll get in here with the Packers and um, I don't think it's much of a surprise where I think uh, I'll be going with this team and the potential I see uh, in the revamped defense as we discussed having uh, giving a sense of purpose to this team that they hasn't haven't had in many years and their uh, replacements in pieces that haven't been providing uh, Clay Matthews and Jake um, or Clay Matthews and Nick Perry being replaced by Preston Smith and Darius Smith and HaHa Clinton Dix being replaced by Adrian Amos and also Darnell Savage, as you mentioned. I think these are all uh, signs for growth in the defense. And I think it all comes down, of course, to Aaron Rodgers and his return to form because he's had uh, probably the worst two years of his career so far these last two and I think he'll be looking forward to coming back and utilizing the offensive uh, additions that uh, are coming with the scheme and the offensive pieces around him. And so with all these key pieces as well, one we haven't mentioned, and Jay Sternberger coming in to add to that tight end group, I think across the board Aaron Rodgers has uh, weapons that he can utilize. And so – I think with all that said and the improvements that they've made uh, in this past offseason will carry the Packers to the top of the division and return them to uh, where they've shown they can be in the last couple of years. See, you're, you're putting a rather politically correct. I'm going to say it in a rather aggressive tone and a rather confident tone. So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this season. The Packers will win the division. Aaron Rodgers will be an MVP candidate. He will adapt to Matt LaFleur's system. He will flourish in that system. Aaron Jones will rush for 1,000 yards. 
He'll put up 1,500 yards from scrimmage in both receiving and uh, rushing. Who else do we have? Jimmy Graham will be better than he was last season because he can't be worse. Devontae Adams will reproduce an elite season. Uh, defensively, this will be a top 15 unit. I think the pass rush will pick up because it can't be worse. You get rid of Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, guys on the you know on the downside of their careers, and you bring them with guys on the upswing, guys like a Zadarius Smith, straight athletes that can get to the quarterback. Rashawn Gary, just a freakish athlete, and I think the secondary, the safeties, you can't be any worse. You, we we mentioned Haha Clinton Dix. There's a reason why the Packers didn't want him last year. There's a reason why the why Washington wasn't willing to re-sign him. Something is not right with him. He is just not that good. So you bring in Adrian Amos and and Darnell Savage. Adrian Amos, he's not an elite safety, but he's a do-the-job safety. And I think he'll be just an adequate uh, fill at this at the safety spot. Jair Alexander will be competing for a Pro Bowl spot. And all that coupled together, like I said, Packers win the division. They'll get a first round bye. And with all the hype around New Orleans, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Eagles. We're going to be reminded by season's end that the that the Packers are the team to beat in the NFC. I like to hear it, and I think uh, this is a, shaping up to be a good year, and I think Rodgers, uh, I'd say he'd like it that way. The first time in his career, he's a little bit looked as an underdog and not the favorite in the division, as a lot of people looking to the Bears as the favorite, and Deservedly so, coming off the year they had, it would be fair to say they have the chance to repeat. But I think you made a lot of great points there, and this uh, could be the year we're reminded how great Aaron Rodgers really is. And so on the flip side, at the bottom of the division, uh, by default, we are both predicting the Detroit Lions to finish once again. And a collection of reasons could be attributed, whether... We could say Stafford not being able to ultimately be that X factor in uh, overcoming the flaws around him and whether that be the run game, which hasn't uh, been great. They do have a promising young player in Carrion Johnson who performed well for them last year and can possibly improve. But uh, beyond that, uh, pieces across their wide receiver group and their defense I just don't see enough talent to impress uh, me and make me believe that they can do anything more than they have in years past. I, you know, I was aggressive in my prediction for the Packers. I'm going to do the same for the Lions because I love hating on them and crapping on them as much as I love hyping my Packers. So this is what's going to happen with the Lions. Stafford will underwhelm again. They will fail to establish a running game again. The defense will be mediocre again. Uh, Darius Slay will be elite because that's the only elite thing about that team. And uh, the Lions will finish last. Matt Patricia will not make it past. Matt Patricia will not make it to next season, and I won't. I don't even think he'll make it to February, let alone um, make it. You know, do anything. So Matt Patricia gets fired. Lions finish last. And I predict, head coaching-wise, I think, we'll make a prediction, I think somehow they'll convince Jim Harbaugh to to become the quarterback, or not the quarterback, the head coach, and he'll confidently and calmly decline. Leaving the Lions 
in turmoil. Yeah, I think that's uh, not a great uh, piece to hear there for Lions fans, but that's just the way we've been used to seeing this team perform the last couple of years. And so there you go right there. We have laid out our predictions for each of the teams in the NFC North. So should be a good battle throughout the year and we'll see how they churn out. But we uh, would like to thank you for joining joining us here at Across the Border. And we would encourage you to reach out on Twitter at the Border Pod if you have any questions or comments. And I'll let uh, my co-host here sign us off. For me, that's Amir. And thank you for joining